Because for me, music is something that saved my life. Music saved my life in the sense that it got me out of a bad situation, a home situation of the way I grew up. I left home at 14 and moved up to Auckland with a bunch of rappers to become a rapper. Kia ora and welcome friends to episodes 5 and 6. We're going to blame that on Apple's zero numbering on a promo so episodes five and six and the guest is terry moana rapley can you believe it five episodes in and i have the voice of new zealand hip-hop what a goddess so um this is also interesting for me because terry is an old friend of mine um and i actually did hit on her when i was very young um so that becomes up as well so we're actually old friends who haven't seen each other for a while so we do talk at quite a pace in the way that old friends do when they meet so it's it's turned into a bit of a get together more than an interview so i reckon we should do another one straight away um i've also found out that we're going a little bit more global than i realized so we're gonna have to tighten up on our um sort of clickiness so in the previous episodes you would have heard simon mentioned that simon grigg a record label owner and um just general journalist and management and lawyer and uh just a sort of general music guru dude in the background um so simon grigg you'll also hear the words murray murray kamick is also a record label owner and ran rip it up for all those years as well so rip it up is a music magazine in new zealand the people you're going to hear about today the main name that comes up is gerard tahu gerard tahu is a skilled bass player percussionist and programmer from hawks bay who blew up in wellington doing lots of reggae oh man he just did a lot of work as a session musician but he blew up with Gifted and Brown which was King Capisi's first uh, sort of incarnation um, they were really a polished R&B hip hop act they made us all look a bit shabby um, who came before it um, so we who's we um, so Terramawana episodes 5 and 6 we'll call it episode 6 that you've just heard 5 this is episode 6 Terramawana Rapley um yeah, we've part one. Let's call it part one. Awesome. Um, also, this episode was brought to you by the Rock Shop and Road for supplying the Road Podcaster Pro, which makes us all happen. Okay, heaps of love out there. Let's go, Teddy Moana Rapley. Nice. What was your first sampler? Oh, that was the, um, no, it was something like the Insonic Mirage. Oh, okay. And it was it was hexadecimal. <laughs> Maths lady. At two That's digits. A, so it was hexadecimal. Yeah, wow. So I go eight, mm. something, A1, A2, wow. A. Yeah, and so that was a nightmare, but it was 12 bit and it had. Um, well, 12 bit. 12, 12 bit's kind of grimy. So, so we're going to go back to your mouse because I've got my notes over here. 
Wow. Because I've got some apologies because I remember being a sleazy 21 year old. No, you weren't, you weren't sleazy. I'm just going to adjust this because I feel I, like I have to. Yeah. No, but I, I remember hitting on you thinking, oh, I am worthy of this woman's <laughs> charm. And I just probably had, you know, because uh, this is a podcast about music and stuff like that, but we cannot not bring politics and, and, and culture and, and things like that into yeah. a conversation with you. Yeah. I suddenly realised. I'm not getting out of this one. <laughs> well, in a good way. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. something that I'm not good at. And, you know, I, I, here's my plea. You know, I just was always a white kid in the band. But then I realised, here's where I suddenly realised my two-dimensionality of it. Mm. You appear... Whoa! <laughs> that is... That is... Jeez. That's my sting. Ah, nice. Anyway, so there, you came back with a sort of second version of Up Heart Posse. Mm. I thought... Oh, yay, they've brought in this beautiful young thing with the sweetest voice we've ever heard. Everyone knows out there who's heard Terry Moana that she will get to your soul within <laughs> notes. And it's because there's pain in your voice. The way you sing is just exceptionally touching. Mm. And it's, you've got a unique voice in this country and not many people can touch you like you do. Mm. So I see you, first of all, as this thing to soften up the posse. Yeah. And because and I come from a place where you just got to try and be something. Well, that's her talent. Isn't that amazing? And now I find, even in these later days as I research you, that you you know I couldn't accept at that stage that you know a young island girl would be a polymath, you know, just a, a, a very clever in a whole lot of fucking situations. Mm. And of course, I didn't see that. Mm. I, I, but also, it's because I can singularly I singularly come from a place where people have got a talent and they do what they can with it. I'm not used to people having multiple talents right. and a Da Vinci in style. <laughs> do you know what I mean? How I have no idea till just recently you were, you were representing the country. In mathematics before <laughs> you left school at 14. Mm. So here's where I'm getting to my questions. That was me trying to establish how I <laughs> am trying to grow. Yeah. Because I couldn't see that. Right. You know, how could that come from this young thing? Not many this? people do, though. So, you know, We're you're learning. not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. Even my husband's just figuring things out. And I've been with him for 20 years. Mm. Yeah. But you know what I mean? You, you, Am I right in thinking now, you... So for singing for Up Hut Posse, mm. I sort of felt it was definitely this, you know, beautiful young thing, softening the posse, a very political act. Mm. But now, here's my question. Were you really attracted to Dean's intelligence and his drive? Because I know you as Mouse. Yes, correct. And now I'm looking back at it all going, she was just absorbing it all in. She was, I'm, I've, got, I've read it all wrong. <laughs> am, I, am I correct? Am I, where am I? Um. Because now I'm looking at the list of people. Moana, she's no, you don't mess with lawyers. You know what I mean? It's like you're not just hanging out with dumb bums. No. Are you, are you realising that you're – when did you realise you're smart? Um, uh, probably recently, actually. Okay. Because the way that I do things is mostly by a feel. I don't overthink things. And the things that I do overthink um, in, in an OCD manner – Used to be things like trying to keep the house tidy, things in place and perfect and the drawers right. And that was where my energy for keeping things in a certain rigid way came from when I was consciously thinking of it. But everything else that I've done, especially creatively, has been a feel. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I got to a point when um, UHP came up here maybe about seven years ago and they asked me to jump up with them and I did. And they... The brothers ended up having a fight on stage, like a verbal fight, and I just sort of backed away and remembered why I wasn't part of the group anymore. <laughs> so the feeling of jumping up with the boys was like, yeah, let's jump up and do it. Mm. Um, and then I was like, 
you're both batshit fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why I left. But I will always see the half glass full before I see it empty. Mm. So Positive cynic. I think that's how I'll live my life. Yeah, and that's pretty much how I would look at things. Like with my work, with my day job, I just sort of realized the enormity of what I was writing and that uh, a company like PwC would actually deliver what I've done. Right. Can, uh, I've got a conspiracy theory because I know how to build them now. I've worked out how those retards think. So... <laughs> Uh, if Rodney King had never been beaten by a fascist police state, you would have met Public Enemies Management. I can't remember their name. Probably to Jive Records. So basically, I reckon you would have been caught by management. Mm. They would have told you that's not how to sing. It's too pitchy. <laughs> they would have destroyed you. Yeah. There we go. I think you might be right in that. I mean, because there have been other opportunities, but I think, I think that the things that have happened in my life have happened for a reason. And... I mean, when I got offered that opportunity to meet, her name was Sandra, is all I remember, was the manager at the time. The posse went over to the States. Oh, no, it was the Moor Hunters went over to the States was the opportunity to right. to meet up with this person. And But, yeah, you're probably right, and I do think about it. I mean, there's been lots of different times when I've been in spaces, especially around music, which I guess added to me pulling out of the industry 20-something years ago because... Um, my children at that time had more of a priority. There's only so much you can do in terms of partying and going out. And I know lots of people think I'm a good girl, which I generally am, but I've done lots of stuff as well. Not bad stuff, <laughs> but I've done lots of different things. And so I get bored with it. And mm. while I see my peers who just love being in that space at the time, I was like, I'm about done with this. Uh, there's nothing that can beat you holding your firstborn child in your arms. No, oh, kids is kids is kids. Yeah. You know, the, the switches just get flicked. I mean, that's yeah. why I am. I, you know, yeah. I've been away for 16 years. When did you, because I, I, I do want to talk about music, mm. or who did you see that you decided you were going to start programming? Because I really don't know. How I got into programming was probably hanging out with Gerard because my first, oh no, actually it was prior to that because I'd met, Steve Regulus was a good friend of my partner at the time. And... um. Of course, I'm attracted to geeky white dudes, so I was like hanging out with him and asking him what he was doing and how he's doing stuff. And he um, had an Atari set up, and he had Dr. T's. Yep, that's come up before. Yep. Yeah. Links in the show notes. Yeah, 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 okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And do you know Steve Regulus? No. Oh, okay. So Steve Regulus is... Probably the, the creator of Massive Software, which is used in movies like I, Robot, oh, and... Do you know Steve? He did the computer geeker yeah. guy. Yes, 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 oh, yes. he's yes. mad for Island Girls. Yeah. <laughs> no, not attracted to him in that way. But he was. <laughs> yes, he yes, was. he was, he, he was. Yeah. But they, we didn't have that type of relationship. Yeah, he was savant. Brilliant. Yeah, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So that's what... Uh, and so if you're talking about intelligence, that's the sort of intelligence that I would be attracted to, not in a sexual way, but in a way of wanting to talk to someone who could... Absorb. I need to absorb more information. No, I was never saying attracted to in that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just thought I'd make that clear. No, I just mean (laughs) earlier too that you were... I just realised you were attracted to intelligence in a way that's not... You're not stumbling along. Beautiful people as you doing all that. Yes, you are. Brown, and nowhere else can that be found. 
that early sort of sampled chord vibe. Oh, yes. Um, that's sort of early production <laughs> stuff, eh? Oh, yes. Yeah, that was mm. off a Roland S550, I do believe. Was that Gerard's old one? Yeah. So um, he stayed with uh, my partner and I at the time before he went over to the States to go and play with Sugar Pop. Mm-hmm. And so um, he left a large phone bill and part of the payment was leaving me his gear. Who was the phone bill for? It was our. It was his phone bill. For but who? Sugar Pop. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah, just, just trying to oh, suss yeah. out everything. And Lexi was staying with us at the time. And um, yeah, so he left his gear with me and I started playing with it part and parcel of some of the stuff that Steve had as well. What was triggering the S50? S550? What was triggering it? What were you saying? It was the module and I had the, you know, the green, the, the black screen. A VCA they call yeah, it or something, yeah, eh? like, yeah. Like just green, one colour. Yes. Oh my, I did that too. Yeah. Holy poos. Yeah. But what was the sequence? <laughs> you can't remember what the sequence was. Was that Dr. T's running that on? Some um, you weren't running an Atari then. No, I was running off Atari. Because I'm sort of thinking, I don't know what Gerard was playing either. Like, what was actually triggering his samples? Um, and we can't ask him. No, we can't. And that was, I'm actually, and that's why I'm actually glad that you asked to talk to me. Because, one, I I've got low tolerance to talking, being interviewed by people who don't do research. Um, and two, people that are not intelligent. Um, so <laughs> I'm halfway there. So Your research was awesome. It got scary and scary. I actually did night after night. Went, oh, oh, geez, I'm screwed. But the thing with Gerard, and I wanted to do this when I was at my time, maybe about five or six years into working in television, I wanted to do a hip-hop documentary, documentary, which I did do. I, I didn't do. I put the prop together, and then I asked a um, my producer at the time, you know, who could I talk to, and he mentioned a, uh, a Māori woman-owned production company. And I thought this would be great because... I'm brown, I'm a woman, it'd be great, I'll go talk to her. And so I sent it to her and she ended up ripping the prop yeah. um, and actually gave it to a indigenous television station here <laughs> that I ended up working for later where I actually found that same proposal that I wrote on the general manager's desk. And, um, and just because I knew the general manager from another place in time, I said to her, hey, this is my prop. And it had already been approved to be funded. Um, and she said, oh, no, it's not. And I said, look, I've just actually looked through it real quick, and it's exactly my prop. And so <laughs> the next day I brought in my prop with copyright yeah. date and stuff on it, and um, the commissioner went page by page and said, this is exactly the same. And I was like, yeah, so you need to kill this, which they did in the end. So that was my attempt Ugh. of trying to, yeah, it was quite yucky. And I, I, was, I was doing my best to... Because if you can imagine back then, what is it? Bib? I've worked in money television. I, I know what goes on. <laughs> Heaps of kite. Yeah, stabs. yeah, yeah. Uh, correct. Oh, You're correct. I was there for ten years, but it's just that that proposal for the documentary is still there. I've gone to New Zealand a couple of times and haven't been able to do it, which is ironic considering I've got over three thousand production credits. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, well, tell me what you need me to do to make it look more realistic for you, because I can do everything, and it's not that I've allocated the budget for me to do everything but mm. I just can't get over the line and I don't know what that issue is and while Chris's um, doco series on RNZ is good and it's got a lot of traction in terms of people picking it up mm. I'm not sure no I'm not I'm not going to say I'm not sure he isn't the right person to be telling our story if right. people like us are still around yeah including yourself Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you've got a knack for telling a story and you are able to pick on specific points that helps to tell the story, not twist it into what you want it to be, then I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
I'm quite picky in that sense because oh, well, do thanks. your job right. Yeah, well, no, thanks for coming on. No, I, well, I want to find the heart of people, really. And, I, and then that's what I said to my wife, well, if that's all I want, mm. I'm on the right track. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. I, like, I wanna, well, why, what, What's behind the hearts of these people that want to, with no money out there, go and been a lifetime doing it. You yeah, know, yeah. But Gerard is the drive of this. Yeah, you know, yeah. Putting into ground was yeah. rough. Yeah. That was a weird weekend. Um, George Nepia goes, geez, run well. Um, and I, literally, I thought of your George, because mm. Gerard to me spelt with a J. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those names. I don't, G doesn't come to the name. I thought of your George. G, oh, George. And I went, right. I had seen him. Maybe he's, because mm. no, nothing's making sense. Yeah. <laughs> then, boom, boom, oh, what ring my wife? I gotta get. I gotta get a flight to. Yeah. And then I get there, and uh, did you do you know this story? No. Oh my gosh! I get to Gerard's bedside, and mm. I meet his wife and child for the first time. A few other family, mm. and I'm um, sitting. So, oh, hey, hey, everybody! Yeah. Uh, dies in front of me, like basically 15 minutes later. Oh. I'm in the room and go. Well, I guess I'm in here for the hall now. Yes, everybody, yes. gather around yeah. and um, got welcomed onto Mariah. Now I've got a Mariah. Yeah. Um, I became because DLT just goes, dude, get on the cough, grab it now because there's not enough people. It's like, come on. So mm. I didn't get the slow welcome. I was part of the team. So I spent the rest of the day standing in the other side and welcoming every other party that came in. And I now know how it works. Beautiful. And I've never felt more connected to Maoridom in Hawke's Bay mm. after leaving it from yeah. growing up there. Yeah. Finally, I've got a Mariah. It's like, oh, now I like Hawke's you know, because mm, mm. all my music's from Hawke's Bay. But yeah, so no, yeah, that's, so Jira was a big push away. I mean, that was sort of why I need to start talking, you know, because talk about unsung, you know, you you you, you sing a lot, but mm. you're totally unsung because mm. where's your album? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And yeah. I'm working on it. I'm. Just... <sighs> no one's voice connects like yours. Mm. And, and it's funny because I was interviewing my girlfriend I started a show because, you know, I'm not busy enough. <laughs> um, because we've got gear set up at home, she made me realise what I actually do when I do sing, when I do do my music. Well, I don't think about that. I just do it. And I do it because it's something that I need to do. And that story about that young woman who did her sixth form study on um, beautiful people, which helped carry her through her a very rough year for her because she came up to me and started talking to me about this. And I did throw a post up originally on Facebook and I didn't mention her name and people came in and go, Oh, that's really great. That's really great. And then she hit me up on the side and says, I didn't realize you were going to put it on Facebook. And I was like, I didn't mention your name, but still. So I took it down and then she got back to me. She goes, Oh, you didn't need to take it down. And I was like, oh, okay, it's okay. So I try not to <laughs> share too much of those stories, but I'm like, but you shared it with me. So by me sharing it with other people, maybe it'll reach out in some other fashion. Cause for me, music is something that saved my life. Music saved my life in the sense that it got me out of a bad situation, a home situation of the way I grew up. I left home at 14 and moved up to Auckland with a bunch of rappers to become a rapper. The things that have happened to me in my life is, hasn't been like an easy thing. I've just popped up and things have been great. But the way that my life has taken shape from when I left home to become a rapper up here in Auckland, that element of music has saved my life mm -hmm. over and over again with the way that I learn things and do things. And, you know, I got to a point when I was about 16 of you know a year and a bit of being up here in, in Auckland and I was like I need my brain to do more so I used to just go to the library because the library was free so 16's when you learnt you were smart <laughs> yeah possibly <laughs> getting to the bottom of this well no I know you've got that quote of daughter of a house woman house girl house girl yeah yeah well, can you break that down for me so um my mum passed away about five years ago and 
you know, my mum's my mum. I left home at 14, she didn't really have much of a say in it. Um, and in fact, when she moved up to Auckland with my younger brother and sister, she came and lived with me and my partner at the time. Okay. So our house was the place where people would stop in before they got their own place and then they'd move on. Because you're always tidy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and so um, she, I've known about my mum's life. I've been, you know, I've been there. I've, when she was working as a cleaner, I was, you know, she worked um, an upper hut in the town centre. There were public toilets there and there was an office inside the woman's toilet. And that's where my mum basically worked. That was her office. So when the toilets got dirty, she came out and cleaned it. This was her job. My father um, worked for the city council at the time, but he... Um, it wasn't like her English was really bad, but she worked as a toll operator in Raro. When she married my Bailangi dad, because um, you've sussed out the whole Jamaican story, right? Did yeah. You? Yeah, and you're right. Okay, so, okay. Okay, so, yeah. So she married him, and he brought her back to Upper Hutt, which is where I was born. So I was conceived over there, obviously. And he couldn't get her a job anywhere else, so all she could do was clean. So she went from going out with her girlfriends and clubbing and her heels and stuff in Raro to being the cleaner in Upper Hutt. And she had this office where she sat in, and she probably was quite bitter now that I look back at it. But mm-hmm. I used to come home after school every day and sit in the office and help her clean the toilets because that's what I knew, mm. you know, and it was just part and parcel of it. And when my mum died, um, her siblings were around, and they started talking about the things that she used to do, and these stories started coming out about how she was actually the house girl to my grandfather's second wife. But what does that term even mean? That's what I mean. What's the it means that you're the person who does all the jobs in the house. Right. And regardless of you having you having younger siblings and stuff, everything is on you. Oh, right. So you uh, make dinner, you look after the kids, you feed them, you do everything. You're the house girl. How does that get chosen and worked out? And It's, um, well, it's, for my... It's yucky. Yeah, it is yucky. And... I mean, all I can do is really read and talk to people, talk to my family about these sorts of things, but they're always um, slightly biased towards an interpretation of the Bible and colonialism. Yeah, well, I've been to Rarotonga and it's like, how, how old are these dancers? <laughs> oh, I don't, we don't know, maybe uh, 80, 120? We're not sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. Rari took the drums, mm. the best drums by far. Yeah. Skin on it. Yeah. Some old lady's going, thum. Yeah. So yeah, why no. you like the 808s. Yes, and that's probably why I was attracted to those machines, mm. you know, especially an 808, actually. I mean, I've tried to work it into my music throughout the years. Have <laughs> you seen the mini one? No. Amazing. Is this new? Yeah. And oh, I'm Lord. looking at the Roland Boutique here, rebuild the 808. Oh, Hidden under my keyboard here is wow. the hey, look, 909. Oh. <laughs> Mother. You can enjoy that. You can take that home and play with it for a while. <laughs> really? Some can songs I? To it. It's got batteries and a speaker, so you can just take it on the porch. What? Okay. <laughs> Super Japanese. Do you want it back? It's actually my son, so you can ask him. Oh. I, bought it, I bought that son for his Christmas. Look at look where it is. No. So you're brought up with your mum? So I was brought up with my mum, my Cook Island mum. Okay. I've got three sets of siblings. Should we clear that up oh, first? No, I was going to go, what were you listening to? But <laughs> hang on. So my mum married nice. my Pākehā Pālangi dad. Yeah. And... Um, she, my mum had two children to two other men before I was born. Okay. Then she had two other children after I was born to another man. And so those are my Cook Island siblings. But you're a singular. Well, yes, in that sense. I've only got, there's only me in terms of my mum and my dad. Dad, I don't, yeah, because then my Parker dad... 
has three other children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's my other set of siblings. And then when I found my Jamaican dad about seven years ago, now I've got a new set of Jamaican siblings. So that's why I have three sets of siblings. Wow. Maybe we should try and draw a graph of this for the notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's tricky. Wow. Yeah. Because I didn't know I was Jamaican. You know, my, my father is Jamaican. Um, so is Aaliyah's grandfather. Did you know that? No. My Aaliyah come back to oh. my conspiracy theory <laughs> and the voice. Yeah, I did. A, so I met my Jamaican dad. I spent um, four days with him the first time I met him, and then seven days he was sick, and then he passed away two weeks after I saw him. When what year? Are you? How old are you? Um, so that was 20. Um, if mum was 2015. Did he pass before I... Oh, I can't. It was a funeral show. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, hard. Um, no, the, the issue is that, yeah, I found my siblings, but there was only one book, and it was handwritten, of our genealogy. Wow. And it's been misplaced. Oh! Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've my siblings that live in Seattle, I've got a brother that still lives in Seattle because that's where my dad was based, Um is not the most helpful person in terms of trying to find out more information about my family. Right. Yeah. So all I can do is that whenever I come across someone who's got Hendrix as a last name and the Jamaican, because the one thing that my dad did say to my Jamaican dad said to me was that every Hendrix is related because we are all descended from two Dutch merchant ship uh, brothers called Hendrix. I don't know what the first names are, but that's all I've got. So I've got, a couple of Dutch mates, and then I'm asking them to go through registers of ships that went through, because the main line that they would get through to Jamaica was to go to hit Suriname first and then make their way up to Jamaica was the route that they would take. Mm-hmm. Um, so Suriname is the other place that we can look at. And that, um, when I met my dad, he also said that my great-grandfather set up a business in Cuba, so we have a connection there as well. Oh, cool. So I could go to those places and ask for Hendrix, but I haven't. Been able to do that yet? Get the cash together for that. Yeah. Hey, you were travelling in your. I'm just trying to go back to my notes. Um, <laughs> the Ritman Library yes. with Doctor Sis Van Hilton. Yeah. That's some real. Sh- yeah. Holy. It, it was incredible. So, I don't know if you figure this out. Now listen, rappers. Here's a story you weren't expecting. <laughs> I'm real geeky. That's the thing. People don't realise that. So. My first holiday by myself in 25 years with no children and husband or nothing just me awesome and my bestie went over um i met him over there and then he left me in barcelona because he goes every year he left me in barcelona in an apartment that he has for about five days so i discovered barcelona by myself which was awesome then in that time i flew to amsterdam just for the day to go to the embassy of the free mind that holds the ritman library and um you can have a guided rearbook tour and i called in the cab on the way there to say can I please book it and they said yep we've got no one booked in there so you've got it and Dr. Sis Van Hurtsman she was supposed to do it for an hour but she did it for like three hours and just completely blew my mind because in this library of 27,000 manuscripts and books and so forth it's based on Christian hermetics gnosis and they utilize the bible as a way to I guess explain life but more importantly when I was sitting with her and going through these books, and we were talking about the reasons why these books were written, how they were pulled together, what were the themes that were running out of these books that are there, is that they look at how vibrations and frequencies are an important element 
of being able to centre yourself before you delve into areas of science and nature. So This doesn't sound like Christian talk. <laughs> but it is. This is the thing. This is their interpretation of their Bibles that they have, which is very different from the Bible that was brought to the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. I'd say that a few books were taken out of the ones that we have, and the interpretation of it is whatever, whoever's delivering it, yeah, right? Yeah. So the building that... Um, the library is housed and is called the House with the Heads, and it was utilised in the 14th and 15th century to house people who thought differently from the mainstream religion at the time. Wow. So it's 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 when you walk into the building, ah, uh, you just know. Yeah, you you just there's just something about it, and so I, I'm I'm walking in this building and I'm like, oh damn! As soon as I get in, I get this like, okay, this is some heavy ass stuff. I have this tour, she talks about these concepts which I can only liken to indigenous understandings that I have of my own experiences as a Cook Island Jamaican woman who's grown up in Aotearoa. Mm. I can't separate it out from it. What she's talking about is exactly how we feel, but it's an academic speak. Wow. It was incredible. Wow. And I just, um, I've, you know, I, I had planned to spend the whole day there and it closed at five. Um, I had to leave at three. Because I had to get out, yeah. it was just too much. Wow. I couldn't. My brain was couldn't process it. And the only other person that I could talk to was actually George, who was living in France at the time. George, so, we got so many George Nuku. Right? Okay, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. We discovered at the same time separately that uh, in a certain period of time, um, the definition of religion and spiritual had been switched around, and mm. this was part and parcel of promoting religion. Mm. So religion used to be not about just paying homage to one god, but to many gods, and spirituality was the one that was actually just focusing on the one god. Mm. And it was switched around to make spirituality look crazy because you pray to many gods, right? Yeah. right? So that understanding was switched at a certain point um, funnily enough, when capitalism was introduced. Yes. So, because <laughs> I'm, I'll hold it because it's here, it's here, it's here, it's in your lyric of your new song. <laughs> Got to hear my notes because it's right here. You need to understand manifest destiny <laughs> because my understanding, this is when Christianity just combines with capitalism and just sets out, mm. and America use it to the most vicious format. Yep. Like it's still happening now. Yeah. Correct. The, 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 so if you are going to watch Teddy Moana's new song, you can watch it with lyrics because she's quite wordy. <laughs> that's because you're a rapper. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's why it is wordy. And that's why the, the you know, I'm quite careful with the words that I utilize in all of my songs because you don't want to have any words that you're wasting. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I always find I try and cram too many words mm. just as a song. So I'm going to talk about some music for a while because that song, What's going on? So that's all current and recent. Is that what you're pushing right now, is it? Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say pushing, but that's what was supposed to happen. It got released just before we went into lockdown. Oh, right. <laughs> but it's not every grandma and granddad who get out there and make some trap beats? No, no, it's not a normal thing. But our eldest boy, who's 27 now, he's been making beats for quite a while. And so he um, he's provided quite a few beats for my album. Choice. Yeah. That's what you want to know. Yeah. Yeah, my son's doing it now. It's just like, he just born. So, um, Shay's oldest just walked past with a saxophone. <laughs> looking like Dallas. Yeah, beautiful voice. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, remember, I've been writing for 30 years. Yes. Uh, and um, I've been writing about the same things. Mm. It's just that um, maybe now people are more um, able to understand and possibly accept 
some of the things that I say in my songs. Like, Full Woman isn't a song that I wrote, but Full Woman got taken off a rotate. I know, but I've got that here in my notes. So how did you think that was going to get banned? Did you have a plan for that to get banned? Mm -mm. What really banned it? Um, Second verse? Yeah, probably the second verse. But yeah, I mean, the fact that... Was it Broadcasting Standards Authority? that Who did they it's go weird, and complain eh? to? Because I was thinking, oh, who's just got to handle that material so carefully? Yeah. How did that play out? Did it play for a while? That's a weird story. I think it got played for about a week or two. I remember um, Kirk, whose last name? Harding. Again? Yes, Kirk Harding, when he was at BMG. When it got released, you know, the, the label was happy and... It looks beautiful, wonderful, great. Let's get it out there. They pushed it out there. And then I remember him calling and saying it was taken off the radio. Someone had complained about the content of the song. And Less people listening. Yeah, that's right. Mm. But um, who's... BMG, the, uh, as they put it out. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I mentioned them twice. How dare they? Well, it's it was the radio stations, uh, someone who took the uh, complaint to the radio station seriously. So that's why. And I think, was it a New Zealand Air funded... Probably oh, yeah, that gives you a lot of prickly problems, yeah. yeah. No smoking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't awesome. know, but I uh, don't really care. Yeah, because that's a powerful song to take on. I'm really proud of you for, for even, you know, um, I was going to say having the balls to do it. It's <laughs> a weird one. Um, so how did you meet Bill? Um, how did I meet Bill? I'm going to interject. Bill Urali is also known to have people in New Zealand as the King Capisi. Um, so I was at a um, race relations um, youth conference at Taputaranga Marae, and he was in the Wellington High School band at the time. He was playing drums. I remember his cousin Danny was playing bass, and um, these two rappers. What year was that? Nineteen eighty. Wow, this wasn't the story I was imagining. Hang on. <laughs> Then we had two kids. But yeah. Yeah. So you met Bill quite young. Yes, and, and we were going out for about six months, but I was going between Auckland and Wellington. So we were like 13. Holy moly. And he was 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 hold on. I was 14 and he was 13. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we first went out when we were kids for about six months, and I was going between Auckland and Wellington at the time because I'd already left home. Um... And then we broke up because we were just kids. And then about 10 years later or so, or something like that, we got back together. So do the maths properly. 20 years ago, we would have been about 26, 27. Yeah. Yeah. So we hadn't seen each other properly for about 10, 11 years. And I actually interviewed him (laughs) on... um, my time. Awesome. Yeah. Well, because I'm not a, um, I don't, I, I've never been a female who would go out to look for a partner in life or a, a boyfriend. I, I didn't even do one night stands. I'm quite geeky and my relationship with other human beings is quite limited to the sense of if we are not talking about something of a certain level of intelligence for me, I don't have the energy to put into the conversation. Right. Which you can imagine with all the people that I've come across in the past 30 years who just want to talk to me about a song that I might have been on or um, want to have a selfie with me. That's all cool because mm. I understand that that gives something to them and I've had some sort of effect on them and they want to capture that some way. But it, I don't have close friends or mates or, you know, there's I can put 
and onto one hand how many people I actually hang out with. Yeah. Well, that's pretty modern life, though, isn't it? Like, I don't really um, like human beings. Um, <laughs> well, funny, as a DJ's like, oh, lockdown. Oh, there's no people. It's like, oh, that's right. I didn't really like the people. I just stood in the corner and played all the good tunes. Yeah. You obviously said you start a song when you feel something. Yeah. What tools, mental tools, are you using to complete a song? Once you're on a song, do you have any sort of, this is almost like a, a musician's tip. Um, I actually rely on the moon cycles, on lunar cycles. Really? Well, I write when I can feel it, and that's because the vibrations and frequencies that are coming off that track resonate with me. If they don't, I can't write. Mm. It's the same with if the energy that the earth and the sun and the moon are giving us is off, I can't write. So there's certain times, and I'm in menopause, mm. there are certain times in a month where I can't write, and that's because the energy of the moon is lower. Right. And so once I sort of figured that out in my brain, um, I know that there are certain times when I can write and certain times when I can't. And it's not, I mean, if I was connected to a record label that was paying for everything and I know that I would just have to write because I've had to go through that before mm. but um, I like this space better so I don't put any pressure on myself obviously taking 30 something years to do my first album I don't put any pressure on myself to have mm. to complete things in that sense because it has to happen when it happens yeah. and it's got to be right well, if I did go hundies and go, I've got to finish this album by this and this, because my poor son, who wanted to release an EP, was like, You're, I've given you this track, Mum, you write to it, and this could be the first. That was supposed to release in July. Right. And, you know, I just said to him, you know, I just haven't had the time to sit down and really work on this and focus and get this right for you, son. So it's going to have to happen when it happens. And, of course, he's just like, that's right, because my mum's a tree-hugging hippie. And that's just the way that it just has to happen. And And, and also... I don't want my son to start getting into this whole thing of it has to be done by this and this is the type of genre that's happening at this it's time. Over. Yeah. It's all over. Deadlines right. are over. Yeah, that's right. So I write when it's right. People thought that I released this song in response to COVID, <clears throat> but I actually recorded the video in December last year. And the fact that my son uh, that is wearing a mask in the video is got nothing to do with COVID. Oh, right. That's just his thing. He loves Naruto, so he's wearing it, and he's like, I don't want people to recognise me. I was like, okay, well, don't wear that mask out then. Um, hey. <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's just what happened at that time. The lyrics may be apt for the period of time that we're in mm. and the space that we're in. I didn't go, this is the song I'm going to release because this is what's going to happen. I released the song because that's the way that it happened. Right. It wasn't purposeful in that sense. Right. And for each song that I write... And decide because I want to do music videos for each of my songs. Because I'm like, why not? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm going to make music videos. Because someone was asking me this question last night, actually. And I was like, I don't know. I just got to finish writing the strategy and then I'll start thinking about that. It's not something that, I mean, even with the, the live streaming show that I've been doing on Facebook, I'm not prepping. I text my mates. Are you free on Wednesday six thirty? And they're like, "Yeah, sweet, come over." The the show can only happen with people that I know and love, mm. and so. That's what it is. I don't have sort of an idea of what we're going to talk about or nothing. I really am just going freestyle. Yeah. I was wondering, as you're saying that, when people say, I don't know, it all just came to me. 
I wonder if we could back time dates and Luna. Mm. You know what I mean? I wonder if like Jolene came out or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, there'll be someone who said, came in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. should look at the Luna song. Every time we should, oh, there'll be some serious research for a geek out there. Every time you hear someone mention they wrote a song in 20 minutes, mm. try and find the Luna calendar of that time and date in that place. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon. A, there'd be something. <laughs> Hell. I've got to ask my official unsung songs. Okay. The one that changed you when you were a kid that made you think this is music, I love it. Um. Oh Lord. Maybe um. Um. A Shaka Khan track. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. What's made you go? The, the, I, the, I'm gonna do music. I love it. Oh, no. Shaka Khan's too hard to sing. No. Uh, <laughs> no. I can't <laughs> sing like that. That sounds tough. Um. The album. The album that's um. Eh, what you're gonna do for me? And it's the Night in Tunisia track um, that uh, is a, uh, not a remix, but a, a version of Night in Tunisia by Shaka Khan. What, am I supposed to be Googling this? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Sorry, off mic. definitely one song that stood out for me for a long period of time but I used to just sing you know your old booty record player what was that called the three and one the hi-fi so you know we always had one of those at home and whatever records were there is what I would listen to and play in the radio my um, my dad my Paga dad that I grew up with listened to a lot of Beatles and um, 50s and 60s music 70s one of the songs I remember playing on a song called the pub with no beer Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not usually lost in these situations. I'm usually all over this. What? So was it Cold Chisel or something? What is that? No, no. It's older. Um, and so that's the sort of music that my dad would play. My mum was played party music. So from everything from Charlie Pryor to your 70s disco tracks. Uh, you know, so that's what I grew up listening to. I don't know if, like, even when I left home to move up to Auckland with Up Up Bossy, I don't know if I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to move up and be a rapper, even though I say that in my interviews, because what else was I coming up here for? Apart from the fact that I was basically running away from home because I didn't want to be in that situation anymore. So making a decision or listening to a specific track that music is what I'm going to do, I'm not even sure if, if I've done that yet. Right. Too simple. It's <laughs> like, what do you mean? Well, again, I think I was probably in an age where you were leaving home and I'm going, hey, I like that, you know, I don't know. It's like you're, you're on, your, you're up and running and just absorbing it and doing it. Mm. Whereas, but you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> 14's pretty young, man. Mm. Yeah, I think I left home at like 17 or something. So that, that's official song number one. Yeah. Very grey answer. <laughs> it wasn't perfect, no. It's all good. Charlie Pride. No, yeah. no, and then I'm going to try and play the whole song you're almost proud of being a part of. What do you feel proud of? So I'm not trying to say this mm. has got the best chord breakdown mm. or whatever, just what you feel proud of doing. I don't know. You're talking about emotions that I don't really associate with music. You know what I mean? Um, well, what gave you the most feels? What one? That's what I'm asking. Because feels is all we're trying to get out of everything. Yeah. So it's like, what was the song? You thought, done it. 
just never satisfied like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. It's all shit. I like the one I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. Once it's done, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I like the one that I'm doing now. Right. Yeah. There's many tracks. I can give you tracks that I've done at home that are, you can use snippets out of them. I don't know. You got a week. Make it sure <laughs> Sweet. You can feel that here right now. Like, I remember got asked in an interview, um, if I had a superpower in bed, what would it be? And obviously I didn't hear what other people said, and I was like, oh, well, I think it'd be really great if, um, you know, if I was talking to um, President Barack Obama, because I thought they meant superpower in that sense. Oh, right. That's not what they meant, no. and you know what they meant now. Able what? to go to sleep real easy <laughs> without worrying about everything? Yeah. That'd be a good superpower. Yeah, so someone said, like, a motorised tongue or some shit. Oh. So, yeah, so then I realised, oh, that was the context of the question. So w- that my point is, is that when... People ask me things. My brain doesn't necessarily work in the way that the majority of the rest right. of the world does. It goes to another place. Right, yeah. yeah. Either Russia, China, yeah. or America. Yeah. Hey, well, thank you very, very much for coming in. <laughs> and not answering any of your questions. Well, no. It's just the way, well, I, I've got so many other things I was going to talk to you Like, you met the Neville brothers, and I thought, when I always saw the Neville brothers, I went, they're Māori. Look at that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, they must have felt so comfortable getting here. Yeah. Like, even the back photo with the tats on the, whatever, the yeah, whole of yeah. talking stick or something, eh? Yeah. I mean, we, we we went to the Neville Brothers' house. When we went to New Orleans and played the Jazz and Heritage Festival, we went to their house. They hosted us with their family. Big-ass family. Heaps of food. Heaps of crawfish and big-ass woks, like a... Um, the real thing, eh? Like a paella, you know? Yeah. So, like, it was full-on and... There was a lot, lot of love in that space. And we did a couple of gigs with, um, I think they were called Deaf Generation, which was the sons of the Neville Brothers. Wow. Their children also had like a rap group. So we did a gig with them as well. You know, we hung out with them a little bit. I mean, even that, I didn't really understand the enormity of it. It's just like I didn't understand when we sat down and had dinner with Minister Louis Farrakhan, not realising that he was one of the most mm. feared black men at the time. <laughs> But, you know, so when people would ask me in an interview how it was, I was just like, well, he was just really lovely. He was like a somebody's yeah. grandfather or father. Yeah, he, right. And I rolled up. This is the thing. I rolled up in my Jordans, tracksuit pants, and, you know, those black jackets with the lining that's orange on the inside yeah. that everyone used to wear back MA then. MA1s or something? Yeah. I rolled up dressed like that. And females are supposed to wear dresses and skirts. But I rolled up and sit, he sat me next to him at the table because he was probably like, nobody told this young woman oh, yeah. <laughs> how to dress. Yeah. And he didn't scold me. He made me feel comfortable. And, right. you know, we sat and, and spoke. So I didn't realize that as a 17-year-old kid, that's what that situation mm. was. It wasn't till later when I'm contemplating these things. Mm. And I go, oh, yeah, that was sort of. Now, your celebrity cool. list is quite quite impressive. Yeah, but I look at everyone that I deal with in that sense as peers you know what I mean? Oh, I don't. I don't think. Oh, I, I want to reach the uh, the epitome of being a Beyonce. I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't think of um, other artists in the space as competition. I don't think of them as um, someone I need to uh, sabotage. I don't yeah. look at it like that. We're doing our. I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing, and mm. and that's what it is. When it comes to whole celebrity status thing. Again, they're human beings first to me. Yeah. So I may have met quite a lot of so-called famous people, but to me they're just people. And I don't 
um, I've I've seen my husband do this a couple of times with with people that I guess are famous, but I just go to him, but this is the bro. It's like, oh yeah, but you know, I really wanted to get him to sign this. And I'm like, okay. So obviously I don't collect signatures of people, right. <laughs> you know. It has different meanings to different people. And for me... Those are successful, hardworking people. I don't think of them as yeah. celebrities. Yeah. They're, they're, they're doing it and they're, and they're trying to make a living out of it. Yeah, 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 definitely. So yeah, that's just my life. And those are the things that have happened in my life. Full stop. And what's happening next? Because you had the big thing you had to hand in for mm. the council. Yep. What's next? I've got a written statement here. It's actually your job description. <laughs> Let me just open this up. You have to break this down for me because, you know, I'm simple folk. That all good. I reckon it goes like this. Social innovation, comma, mm. specialist advisor, <laughs> comma, for civic responsiveness, comma, in the chief planning office. So you have to break that down for me a little bit because I don't even think of council had anything that was called a chief planning office. Yep. The title sort of, I think, was there to confuse people so that they couldn't pigeonhole me into a space where I wasn't allowed to go to. Right, right, right. So, so it's a bit of legalese. Yeah, it's a, it's quite purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that sort of wording and that type of thinking that's required to make a real difference. I was a co-lead on this project. What we did was human-centered design but um, I saw it as just the way that I think naturally. Yeah. And so the project um, delivered a piece of work to put forward an argument why we needed to focus on uplifting the outcomes in terms of income for Pacific people in Auckland specifically. And in the recent budget, that piece of work helped to secure $22 million to be allocated over the next four years wow. for Pacifica. Because if one people are hurting, we're all hurting. It's going to permeate throughout the entire ecosystem of Auckland if we don't do something about it. So, yeah, my brain in this current space that I'm working in is I focus on the fact that I get paid by taxpayers' money and the people that I work with, I work with in respect of that as well. Yeah, because I'm thinking, how would you get into this situation? But you realise, no, but I suddenly realise if you were coming from corporate, there's just nothing you can trust about that person Mm. on how they're going to run their underlings or anything like that or any anything. Yeah. But, you know, you, you, you're coming from one of the most um, uplifting of, you know, island woman. That you, you have a glitter of a woman under you that you never had. Yep. What's next for you? This music, music. What are you doing, music? I've got uh, songs. Choice. No, I'm keen, to, I'm keen to listen. So working on the album, um, the album is like it's been done about seven times. And so, you know, I've got around 200 tracks at home that I need to decide on what I want to do with them. Um, Currently, I have a demo album that's got around about nine songs on it that I'm happy with. So there's definitely space for... You'll work it out. But yeah, I have to go through my back catalogue of everything. That's hard work. You've got to do it, though. Oh, yeah, especially when you've got everything on iTunes. Yeah, because every time time I change my laptop... You got to you know drag everything into your new laptop. So I've just got a, a hard drive. What are you using software? What are you using? Uh, just Logic, um, and I've got like a little Focusrite. Um, that's my portable setup that I have. When I took I went to Barcelona, I took that with me and recorded stuff on the. That's all you need. Yeah, it is actually. Um, but at home, we've got a full studio setup with Genelix and um, NS10s. I'm running a I don't even know what version of a Mac is anymore. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's They're not all the same speed since about nineteen twenty four. No, no. <laughs> yeah. so it's quite an older um, 
Uh, you know, it used to be called a G4, and then they changed. Oh, you got the towers. Towers, oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's hardcore. Yeah, yours is really old. Yes, <laughs> okay. it is. Oh, yo, we spent about ten k on one tower ages ago, maybe about ten years ago. Spent ten k on it, and it was a piece of rubbish. I haven't really kept up with the latest versions of Logic because I've just been busy. Doesn't matter either. Well, I can make it work off my laptop, and if I can record a track, I'm happy. You know what I mean? You should see how fast you can make a beat on this thing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm talking about the NPC 60 there, there people. Yep, I've still got fluffy discs at home. Hey, do you need, I bought seven boxes of brand new sealed, I've got some, do you want some? Sealed fluffy Yeah, for sealed box of ten, and um, I've already sent them out to Leon at the rock shop, said, Leon, I've got some floppy discs. Wow, I might take a few, that's crazy. Look at that, oh handing over Lord. the double density Sony floppy disk, oh. still in cellophane. Yes, where did you fight, is this a secret? No, well I do have a high tech guy called... Gus. Okay. There was like 40 cards, I think, that were old modems for oh, yeah. PCs, mm. and there happened to be seven boxes of floppy disks in the same like folder for tax, you know, tax <laughs> folder. And it was like, quite really, $15. Shikang. Wow. Just raced out there. Because I've still got my E64. Yeah. I've still got that at home. Coolio. Yeah. Glad to be of service. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's my little <laughs> subpayment. Happy Father's Day. I'm going to get a, I got a celebrity. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. All good. Thanks, Eddie. Oh, you're welcome. I'm going to hang it up. Sweet. Can make me feel like you do Coming for his warmth